Section 85 of Final Report of the Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Advisory Committee on Human Radiation Experiments. Coming to Terms with the Past, Looking Ahead to the Future. Chapter 18, Part 2. Recommendation 5. The Advisory Committee recommends to the Human Radiation Interagency Working Group that it, together with Congress, give serious consideration to amending the provisions of the Radiation Exposure Compensation Act of 1990 to encompass other populations environmentally exposed to radiation from government operations in support of the nuclear weapons program should information become available that shows that areas not covered by the legislation were sufficiently exposed that a cancer burden comparable to that found in populations currently covered by the law may have resulted the advisory committee did not have the time or resources to undertake our own epidemiologic studies of the cancer burden surrounding the hanford facility in washington state where the green run took place the preliminary radioiodine dose estimates now available raise the issue of whether the releases from hanford may have caused cancers the advisory committee found that the green run itself contributed only a very small portion of that cancer burden so small that it would be impossible to attribute any cancers to the green run as opposed to other sources including routine hanford releases the advisory committee believes that in addressing the green run intentional release the appropriate response is to redress injury without regard to whether exposures were in the course of routine or research activities there would be no practical way to make this distinction if it were desired we also note that the radiation exposure compensation act provides relief for downwinders and uranium miners without regard for whether they were subjects of research and in many cases they were not recommendation six the advisory committee recommends to the human radiation interagency working group that it together with congress give serious consideration to reviewing and updating epidemiological tables that are relied upon to determine whether relief is appropriate for veterans who participated in atomic testing so that all cancers or other diseases for which there is a reasonable probability of causation by radiation exposure during active military service are clearly and unequivocally covered by the statutes Congress has provided for compensation for veterans who participated in atmospheric atomic tests or the American occupation of Hiroshima or Nagasaki, Japan. The provision of compensation depends on evidence that the veteran has sustained disability from a disease that may be related to radiation exposure. The Veterans Dioxin and Radiation Exposure Compensation Standards Act of 1984 required the Veterans Administration to write a rule governing entitlement to compensation for radiation-related disabilities. The resulting regulation contains criteria for adjudicating radiation claims, including consideration of a radiation dose estimate and a determination as to whether it is at least as likely as not that the claimed disease resulted from radiation exposure 
the radiation exposed veterans compensation act of nineteen eighty eight provides that a veteran who was present at a designated event and subsequently develops a designated radiogenic disease may be entitled to benefits without having to prove causation the committee recommends that the radioepidemiological tables prepared by the national institutes of health in nineteen eighty five which identify diseases that may be causally connected to radiation exposures be updated the committee understands that the department of veteran affairs agrees with this recommendation the advisory committee further recommends to the human radiation interagency working group that it review whether existing laws governing the compensation of atomic veterans are now administered in ways that best balance allocation of resources between financial compensation to eligible atomic veterans and administrative costs including the costs and scientific credibility of dose reconstruction while the committee's inquiry focused on participants at atmospheric testing who were subjects of experimentation the committee found that the risks to which experimental subjects were exposed were typically similar to those to which many other test participants were subjected those service members who were participants in the experiments reviewed by the advisory committee would as veterans of atmospheric atomic tests be eligible for relief under the laws enacted in nineteen eighty four and nineteen eighty eight as amended concerning radiation exposed veterans the committee found that the government did not create or maintain adequate records regarding the exposures of all participants the identity and test locale of all participants and the follow-up to the extent it took place of test participants witnesses before the advisory committee and others who communicated with us by mail telephone and personal visit expressed strong concerns about the adequacy and operation of the current laws including specifically record-keeping practices although the committee did not have the time or resources to pursue these concerns to the degree they merit we believe that the concerns expressed by the veterans and their family members deserve attention and we urge the human radiation interagency working group in conjunction with congress to address these concerns promptly the concerns reported to us include the following one the listing of diseases for which relief is automatically provided the presumptive diseases provided for in the nineteen eighty eight law is incomplete and inadequate two the standard of proof for those without a presumptive disease is impossible to meet and given the questionable condition of the exposure records retained by the government inappropriate three the statutes are limited and inequitable in their coverage for example the inclusion of those exposed at atmospheric tests does not protect those who were exposed to equal amounts of radiation in activities such as cleanup at inuitak atoll four the time and expense needed to prosecute a claim is too great for example veterans whose claims are initially denied at the v a regional offices and are seeking appeal of the initial decision receive a form letter stating that it will take at least twenty-four months to process their appeal five time and money spent on contractors and consultants in administering the program would be better spent on directly aiding veterans and their survivors recommendation seven 
the advisory committee recommends to the human radiation interagency working group that it together with congress give serious consideration to amending the provisions of the radiation exposure compensation act of nineteen ninety relating to uranium miners in order to provide compensation to all miners who develop lung cancer after some minimal duration of employment underground such as one year without requiring a specific level of exposure the act should also be reviewed to determine whether the documentation standards for compensation should be liberalized the uranium miners were exposed to extremely high levels of radon daughters which were recognized at the time to be hazardous yet were not controlled by the government despite the availability of feasible means to ventilate the mines furthermore the government studied the miners without disclosing the purposes of the examinations or warning them of the hazards to which they were exposed as a result of their continued exposure hundreds of miners developed lung cancer or non-malignant respiratory diseases that could have been prevented and many of them have died in recognition of this tragedy congress included provisions for compensating certain uranium miners in the radiation exposure compensation act of nineteen ninety r e c a however the criteria for compensation set in this act were far more stringent than for the two other groups atomic veterans and downwinders of the nevada test site for which compensation was provided despite the fact that the risks were far higher for the uranium miners since 1990, additional scientific information has become available to support the view that radon exposure is responsible for a much higher proportion of the lung cancer cases among the miners than had been previously thought. In particular, the Act's current requirement of a minimum of 200 WLM, working level months, exposure for non-smokers or 300 to 500 wlm depending on age for smokers translates to quite large probabilities of causation according to a recent report by the national cancer institute that analysis finds little evidence to support a distinction between smokers and non-smokers and suggests that a majority of lung cancer deaths among colorado white miners and new mexico navajo miners are attributable to radon exposure furthermore it finds that the lung cancer risk is strongly modified by a number of factors and uncertainties that are not accounted for in the total dose thus for many miners the level of exposure that would merit compensation on the basis of the principle of balance of probabilities might be far lower than the present criteria in particular no exposure measurements are available for ninety per cent of the years in most mines so that any requirement to reconstruct exposure histories is likely to require some degree of extrapolation or estimation and be quite uncertain furthermore many mines have since gone out of business so that records needed to establish an exposure history are simply unavailable also since nineteen ninety there has been considerable experience with the administration of the act and apparently much of it has been negative the advisory committee took extensive testimony regarding the difficulties faced by miners in meeting the documentation requirements particularly those related to the requirement to provide a reconstruction of their radon dose for these practical reasons and in light of the additional information 
we suggest that the requirement that a minor demonstrate that he had been exposed to a certain minimum cumulative dose be replaced by a simple requirement that he worked underground for a certain minimum length of time since more than half the lung cancer deaths in the cohort who worked at least one month underground appear to be attributable to radon we suggest that minimum length of service be set quite low preferably not more than a year at most this should then lead to compensation being awarded to twice as many minors as would be entitled to it under the balance of probabilities principle while not denying it to any who are entitled to it the grave injustice that the government did to the uranium miners by failing to take action to control the hazard and by failing to warn the miners of the hazard should not be compounded by unreasonable barriers to receiving the compensation the miners deserve for the wrongs and harms afflicted upon them as they serve their country recommendation eight the advisory committee supports the department of energy's program of medical monitoring and treatment for the exposed inhabitants of the marshall island atolls of rongelap and utrecht and recommends that this program be continued as long as any member of the exposed population remains alive furthermore the advisory committee recommends that the program be reviewed to determine if it is appropriate to add to the program the population of other atolls to the south and east of the blast whose inhabitants may have received exposures sufficient to cause excess thyroid abnormalities the advisory committee also recommends that consideration be given to the involvement of the marshall islanders in the design of any further medical research to be conducted upon them and the advisory committee recommends that the human radiation interagency working group consider establishing an independent panel to review the status and adequacy of the current program of medical monitoring and medical care provided by the united states to the exposed population of the marshall islands the nineteen fifty four bravo hydrogen bomb test caused the populations of several marshall islands atolls to be exposed to hazardous levels of radiation the united states has provided a medical follow-up program that combines research on radiation effects with treatment for radiation-related illnesses it is noteworthy that as a result of the ongoing program to study radiation effects many cases of thyroid disease were detected and treated but not all exposed marshallese received the benefits of the program the people of aluk for example who according to early reports received about the same exposure as the people of utrecht were never evacuated from their atoll and were not followed up medically even though they received a radiation dose of more than six rentgens moreover an epidemiological study reported in the journal of the american medical association in nineteen eighty seven demonstrated that inhabitants of several atolls to the east and south of bikini had elevated levels of thyroid disease and that there was a strong inverse linear relationship between the incidence of thyroid nodules and distance from the blast it should also be noted that the exposed populations received additional doses of radiation over the years from later bomb tests and residual radiation on the atolls the medical program is ongoing but congress has the authority to reduce or eliminate funding available evidence indicates that many marshallese it is impossible to identify specific individuals were not adequately informed about the purposes of the medical tests to which they were subjected 
there is also evidence in the documentary record that the marshallese often did not understand the relationship between the research and medical care components of the medical follow-up program for example dr robert a cunard headed the program and according to his report on twenty years of medical treatment and monitoring the people did not always understand the need for the examinations or their results although this situation has improved in recent years it would nevertheless be appropriate to consult with the marshallese in the design and implementation of further medical research so as to minimize any possibility of misunderstanding and to ensure that the priorities of the marshallese are a consideration in the planning of such research the advisory committee supports the continuation of the department of energy's program of medical monitoring and medical care for the exposed inhabitants of the marshall islands questions have been raised during the course of our deliberations as to whether this program is running as well as it should both with respect to the research and monitoring activities conducted by brookhaven national laboratory bnl and with respect to the medical care provided in particular the issue has emerged whether the medical care ought to be expanded to include treatment for conditions that are not radiogenic as a further remedy to marshallese people who were exposed however inadvertently as a result of weapons tests the advisory committee did not have the resources to pursue these issues but we believe that they deserve serious consideration one mechanism through which this could be accomplished is the establishment of an independent panel to review the program with input from the marshallese as to the panel's composition recommendations for the protection of the rights and interests of human subjects in the future while we were constituted to consider issues related to human radiation experiments in critical but not all respects the government regulations that apply to human radiation research do not differ from those that govern other kinds of research in comparison with the practices and policies of the nineteen forties and nineteen fifties there have been significant advances in the protection of the rights and interests of human subjects these advances initiated primarily in the nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties culminated in the adoption of the common rule throughout the federal government in nineteen ninety one although the common rule now affords all human subjects of research funded or conducted by the federal government the same basic regulatory protections the work of the advisory committee suggests that there are serious deficiencies in some parts of the current system these deficiencies are of a magnitude warranting immediate attention the committee was not able to address the extent to which these deficiencies are a function of inadequacies to the common rule inadequacies in the implementation and oversight of the common rule or inadequacies in the awareness of and commitment to the ethics of human subject research on the part of physician investigators and other scientists we urge that in formulating responses to the recommendations that follow the human radiation interagency working group consider each of these factors and subject them to careful review recommendation nine the advisory committee recommends to the human radiation interagency working group that efforts be undertaken on a national scale to ensure the centrality of ethics in the conduct of scientists whose research involves human subjects 
a national understanding of the ethical principles underlying research and agreement about their importance is essential to the research enterprise and the advancement of the health of the nation the historical record makes clear that the rights and interests of research subjects cannot be protected if researchers fail to appreciate sufficiently the moral aspects of human subject research and the value of institutional oversight it is not clear to the advisory committee that scientists whose research involves human subjects are any more familiar with the belmont report today than their colleagues were with the nuremberg code forty years ago the historical record and the results of our contemporary projects indicate that the distinction between the ethics of research and the ethics of clinical medicine was and is unclear it is possible that many of the problems of the past and some of the issues identified in the present stem from this failure to distinguish between the two the necessary changes are unlikely to occur solely through the strengthening of federal rules and regulations or the development of harsher penalties the experience of the advisory committee illustrates that rules and regulations are no guarantee of ethical conduct the advisory committee has also learned in responses to our query of institutional review board irb chairs that many of them perceive researchers and administrators as having an insufficient appreciation for the ethical dimensions of research involving human subjects and the importance of the work of irbs the federal government must work in concert with the biomedical research community to exert leadership that alters the way in which research with human subjects is conceived and conducted so that no one in the scientific community should be able to say i didn't know or nobody told me about the substance or importance of research ethics the advisory committee recommends that the human radiation interagency working group institute in conjunction with the biomedical community a commitment to the centrality of ethics in the conduct of research involving human subjects we urge that careful consideration be given to the development of effective strategies for achieving this change in the culture of human subjects research including specifically how best to balance policies that mandate the teaching of research ethics with policies that encourage and support private sector initiatives it may be useful to commission a study or convene an advisory panel charged with developing and perhaps implementing recommendations on how best to approach this challenge for the research community the committee suggests that such an examination include consideration of the following extending to all federal grant recipient institutions and all students and trainees involved or likely to be involved in human subject research the current federal requirement that institutions receiving nih national research service award training grants offer programs in the responsible conduct of research the role of accrediting bodies such as the joint commission on accreditation of healthcare organizations jcaho establishing competency in research ethics as a condition of receipt of federal research grants both for institutions and individual investigators incorporating of research ethics and the differences between the ethics of research involving human subjects and the ethics of clinical medical care into curricula for medical students house staff and fellows 
encouraging the nation's leaders in biomedical research to spearhead efforts to elevate the importance of research ethics in science. End of section 85